Welcome to Church Alive. We're located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey, and we're ready to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome home. Been on another planet, there is a movie and a book called Fifty Shades of Grey. How many of you heard of it? It is everywhere. I was coming back from Texas this week with uh, how many were in Texas with me? A whole bunch of people in Texas. We go to a leadership conference every, every February. Why? Because we want to go somewhere warmer, basically. And uh, so anyway, I was thinking about this series and praying about this series, and I couldn't help but notice on the Newsweek had this thing called Fifty Shades, exploring the sexual revolution. And then at the bottom of it, it said this, a global conversation celebrating love and romance today. Fifty Shades of They, I, I, I had to think to myself, where are the fathers in America? Where are the fathers in America? Because I don't know if you're aware of it. Listen, I try to stay up to culture without being perverted by culture. How about you? I like to know what's going on without being contaminated by what's going on. And so I kind of flick through some things and I'll bypass some things. And I have not read the book. I won't see the movie either. And some people are like, man, you got to see what's going on. you got to know what's out there. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. Why? Because many times what you've seen can't be unseen. What you've seen sometimes will affect you often, if you're not careful, for the rest of your days. What I've actually found is that Perversion needs a conversion. Are you with me? Perversion needs a conversion. And, and if you don't know anything about it, uh, there is a Christian Grey, is the guy in the movie, 27-year-old uh, billionaire. Had to be Hollywood to put him as a billionaire. He's uh, ruggedly handsome. He is basically a pervert. He is perving on a 20, 21-year-old college girl. And somehow we're talking about this becoming a celebration of love and romance today. It was basically rape. It was basically a weirdo looking at someone, bondage in the movie, violence in the movie. And what is so funny, when the NFL, the Super Bowl happened on Super Bowl Sunday, they were promoting the NFL is against marital violence. However, in the same uh, commercials that you and I love and watch and so forth, you have a commercial promoting curriculum and things like this. And you're like, hold on. I wonder if Hollywood ever thinks to itself, I wonder how many rapists just got encouraged to rape more. I wonder how many people that were on the edge of something on a sexual perverse level just got pushed over the edge. Are you with me? Because you cannot just think to yourself that you see things and I see things and I watch things and it doesn't affect you. Actually, the Bible says that it goes down into the very depth of who you are. Are you with me? What was interesting also about this movie was um, I actually read a couple of criticisms of the movie on USA Today and they were talking about, oh, it was a little boring for me. It wasn't kind of enough for me. And I was like, I had to think to myself, how many pornography movies do you watch that a kind of movie like this is not even exciting to you, not even tantalizing? You're like, this is boring. Man, who are the they that are lying to you? Who are the they? Have you ever noticed that you sometimes believe things and they're not true? 
Have you ever noticed that thoughts sit in your head sometimes? I do. Thoughts sit in my head sometimes, and I have to think through them, and I was like, is that, is that true? I had a buddy of mine in college. He was a perpetual liar. I'm serious. We, uh, uh, four friends of mine moved into a house, and um, we had a fr- uh, another guy come in just to kind of share the rent and so forth, and he was a, let's just put it this, he was a five foot seven white guy, um, out of shape, yet he would tell us all the time what colleges were looking at him to play Division I football. He was like, okay, Washington State wanted you to be the quarterback. And we were like, oh, I'm not sure about that. When he went fishing, he caught like 40 fish. He didn't come back with any, but he caught 40 fish. And he'd be like, I just ate three pounds of fish. Three pounds of fish? Have you ever, has anyone ever eaten a pound of fish? This guy would have eaten three pounds of fish. However, he, he began to tell us that he was going to be recruited for the University of North Carolina basketball team to be the point guard. We're like, wow, you must have some talent. He's like, oh, yeah, but I broke my ankles and different stuff. And we're like, why don't you play for Liberty's team? Liberty team needs some help at the time on the men's level, if you know what I mean. He's like, no, 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 I only do um, the top tier level D1. And we're like, this guy... Me and my roommates used to talk about it. We're like, I don't know who lies more, him or the devil. <laughs> One day, my buddy sees him playing basketball out there, training. My friend was a pretty good basketballer. He could not sit the bench at our college team. Anyway, he sees him playing. He runs over, stops the car because he'd heard the rumors. He's like, you know what? Let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig into how good this UNC recruit is. He goes over there, demolishes him 11-1. And what I've found about culture is this. The deeper you dig, the more lies there are. The deeper you dig into some of the lies of society, the more junk you find flowing out. I just want to give you a couple of lies that I think are out there that are all over the place and sit in your head, in my head, and then I'm going to give you not what Hollywood wants to give you. I'm going to give you not even what the Scripture says right now, but I'm just going to give you some research facts on truth about sexuality and relationships. Are you with me? It might get a little awkward in here, but let me just say this. Let me say this. You're like, I can't believe he said that. Can I just tell you that you'd rather have it talk to you about it in church and in the family setting than you would? Because trust me, parents sometimes wear the words, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't let my 12-year-old ear hear that. If you let your 12-year-old chat with other 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds, trust me, the best place that they can hear it is actually in a healthy environment like the church. Come on, are you with me? Listen, if you don't talk about it, they're talking about it. You're like, you're going to pervert Johnny's, Billy's little ears. Really? I can't believe, Billy, you said poo-poo. Well, when you go to the classroom and the high school setting, trust me, he's saying more than poo-poo. Are you with me? He said poo-poo from stage. I can't believe it. This is a holy place. Come on, let's be real. Are you with me? I think you're lied to, and I'm lied to all the time. Number one, married people don't have much sex. Married people. Haven't you found that movies always telling you that? Married people don't have sex. 
They never have sex. You ever seen a movie and the marriage is just amazing? The mar- they love each other. That's not tantalizing, is it? That's not like sexual enough. You know, you've got to have an affair in there. You've got to get seven affairs going on in there. You've got to find out the junk. Are you with me? My ADD's kicking in. I've got some feedback going on. Anyway, it's okay. I'll move on. Number two, single people have all the fun. Single people have all the fun. Single people have all the sex. Number three, lie that sits in your head, in my head. It's okay, Max. Don't worry about it. All right, it's gone now. Now the silence is bothering me. Like, I'm like, where's it? No, no, no. A, yeah. <laughs> Number three, if I take faith too seriously, it will take away all the fun and sex. Has that ever lingered in your head? Single people, come on. Someone say yes. Oh, that was the weakest. Yes. This is church alive, not church. Come on. I tell you, if you'll give me more feedback, I'll preach better and shorter. Someone say amen. Now you want me to do it. Yeah. Okay. I feel the love. Thank you. Encourage. Thanks for encouraging your pastor this morning. Number four, sexual standards are for nerds. I mean, think about 40-year-old virgin, movies like that, the college movies you see out there. It's always the dork who, who can't lose his sexuality. Um, number five, lose your virginity as quickly as you can. You've got to just get rid of that thing. I mean, it's like a burden. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. I remember I went out with a, a, a girl. She was 14 at the time or something like that. And I was, I was actually 17, so it was a little weird. I was like, I'm not sure if I should date her. But anyway, I went out with her like two times. Anyway, I was observing her, chatting with her 14-year-old girlfriends at the time one time, and they were joking around with her that she was still a virgin. She had just turned 14. And I remember thinking to myself, I grew up in a Christian home. I was like, what are they talking about? Get rid of it as quick as you can. Man, you got to lose that thing. You're not a man until you have sex. Any little boy can have sex. Really? Are you with me? So can I give you some research on the sexuality of America that Hollywood is not selling you? Are you ready? I want to give you a, a couple of things. That it, it's, it's, it's amazing. You're about to be amazed. Are you ready to be amazed? Contrary to public perception, married couples enjoy sex significantly more than unmarried singles by a factor of 22%. Some say amen. Testing out a partner for marriage, you know, try before you buy. For marriage by having premarital sex increases the odds of divorce by se- to 75%. But you have to try before you buy. That's not what the research says. Research says that actually the, the morals that you put on pre-marriage are the morals that you practice after marriage. Are you with me? Do you realize that sexuality was designed by God? When you think God and when you think sex, those two go together. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they made love for the very first time, God was not like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? It's like, Gabriel, something weird's going on. I didn't invent that. Oh, they fit. Yes. It works. So often people think the devil invented sex. When you think sex, you've got to think of God. 
Why? He created it for procreation and pleasure. Sometimes in certain religious circles, they're like, it's only procreation. Read the Song of Solomon. It's all in there. Read Proverbs. Enjoy the wife of your youth. What do they mean? Enjoy the wife of your youth. That's what it means. Come on. So often the church says no, but God says yes. But he's given it a context. He's given it a boundary. He's given it, let's put it this way, God has given sex a fireplace. He has given it, you don't just light fires all throughout your house, you put it in the fireplace, otherwise it gets out of control. And you, I actually think as a married couple, you should try stoke the fire as often as you can. You should have as much sex as you can. Or the men said? I got a loud amen. Like, I didn't have to encourage an amen on that one. Which is right. Standing up ovation. Can I get all the men just to stand up and just give the Lord an ovation for that? All the men, even if you're single, it's okay. Come on, stand to your feet and give Jesus a hand clap that he wants. It's okay. All right, take a seat. All the seated men, I don't know what just happened to you. <laughs> Let me give you a sad statistic. The earlier a person is exposed to porn, the more likely they are to develop sexual compulsions and addictive behaviors. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter. Of course it does. Men who use porn report decreased empathy for rape victims as well as higher levels of anger at women who flirt but then refuse to have sex. A lack of prior sexual experience in partners actually increases odds of sexual satisfaction. Contrary to the myth that having more partners increases sexual responsiveness and pleasure. Listen to this. Ironically, Christian women feel far less sexually inhibited and guilty than non-religious Christian women. Oh, sorry, non-religious women. Suggesting that church attendance actually decreases sexual guilt over time. Married couples were significantly more likely to experience a feeling of love and acceptance during sex than those who have sex outside of marriage. Listen to this. The younger a person engages in premarital sex, the likelihood of a stable or lasting marriage significantly drops. And so when culture is, what are they selling you? Isn't it interesting that the lie many times of culture is church is all about your money? When was the last time you went to a movie for free? Huh. And did you know that the porn industry today makes more money than the NFL, NBA, NHL combined. You don't think someone's after your money? They're after your money. Let me give you some good news here real quick. While someone turns off their cell phone. (laughs) Hello, it's the Lord. (laughs) I'm sorry, Lord, you're going to have to talk to me later. I'm in church. I think all the married couples should like this. 
Um, consistent. Someone say consistent. Come on, say it again, real loud. Consistent church attendees have a significantly higher frequency and intensity of orgasms than the general population. I thought the porn stars did. And did you know church attendees, regular, consistent? One man just turned to his wife and said, okay, baby, we'll come back. I'll be here every week. But let me tell you a scary stat. Did you realize that inconsistent church attendees have the least sexual satisfaction of any demographic in America? So let me encourage you on this. I'd attend church if I were you. Someone say amen. Come on, give me an amen. Amen. (laughs) All right, we're about to get into it. So I've titled my talk, They Have It, We All Want It. They have it. We all want it. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. I give you this time. I give you not just this talk. I give you this whole series, God. Four weeks, I pray, that you would build marriages. Four weeks, I pray, that you would build men. You would build women. You would encourage single people, dating people, to live according to your principles and your ways. Father, I pray that the very life of the Spirit would breathe life on this series, God. I pray that I'd be able to step out of the way, that you might step in the way. I can give words, God, but I pray that your word and your power would just encourage and uplift and strengthen strengthen. I pray for marriages that are maybe going through a very, very difficult time right now. Oh God, I pray that you would inspire them with your life. Holy Spirit, walk across these aisles. Break chains. Open the hearts like only you can do. Why don't we pray this prayer together? Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Not my partner's life. My life in Jesus' name. (laughs) Because I just want to encourage you with this thought. The tendency, the tendency, because I know. Why? Because I'm a man. The tendency in a relationship series is for you to think about what is they going to do for me? That's always the tendency. Why? Because I experience it. I'm like, what's my wife not doing? Hmm, What should I preach about? Right? But I've always got to be like, God, change me. And if I can lead that way, if I can say, God, change me. All the men say, change me. All the women say, change me. Come on. All the men say, change me. All the women say, change me. And hopefully, we'll change together. In Jesus' name. Are you with me? Have you ever met a couple and you're like, man, this couple, they have it. They have that loving feeling, if you know what I mean. They have that X factor when someone's first dating. You're like, oh, they're dating. And I remember when Miriam and I were first um, actually married, we'd be, obviously we'd come home and we'd you know, kiss each other and so forth. And uh, some other married couples would say to us, oh, that's only going to last six months. That's only going to last one year. What were they saying? Listen, you have it right now, but you're going to lose it. And I truly believe that actually a God-given marriage and a God-blessed marriage should actually increase over time. Your love should actually increase for your partner over the years. Are you with me? 
How many of you met or seen some married couples? They've been married 50 years and they say, man, I love each other more today than I did back then. How many want to be that they? Come on, that's the right they, isn't it? Come on, that's the right they. I want you to show the stock image on the, on the screen real quick. I believe that a marriage will often, a God-given marriage will be a bit like this. Now, this is Apple stock, and obviously Apple stock went out of the roof. But I want you to notice that there are times in a marriage where it's progressing upwards, and then you, all of a sudden you'll see a dip, right? You'll see like a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, and so forth. And so wherever you are upon the marital scope for married people, listen, single people and dating people, listen, this is your time to gain wisdom. This is your time to learn. This is your time to say, God, change me. This is your time to say, God, prepare me. This is your time to say, God, help me make the wise decisions because the second biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is who will I marry? The first biggest decision you'll ever make, who will I follow? Will I follow Jesus? Will I follow someone else? Will I follow myself? Will I follow Buddha? Will I follow Muhammad? Who are you going to follow? That's the first biggest decision. The second biggest decision you'll ever have is who am I going to marry? But I just want to encourage you that, listen, if you're in a dip, if your stock has dipped recently, if it's a little bit of a rough time, if you feel like you've lost a little bit of that vainness, I just want to encourage you, you can get it back. Come on, you can get it back. Come on, you can get it back. Proverbs chapter 3, it is not the most marriage scripture you'll ever hear, but man, this applies to marriage. The scripture says this, Proverbs chapter 3, my son... Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your, come on, in your, my son, uh, next scripture guys, for they will prolong your life many years, how many want a long life, and bring you peace, how many want peace, and prosperity, the scripture says, success, and levels of success, and all that kind of stuff, let love and faithfulness, say that with me, love and faithfulness. Come on, say love and faithfulness. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then, the scripture says, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. I don't believe that most people intentionally throw off love, but here's what I believe, that so often if we don't tie love around our neck and write it on the tablet of our heart, you've got to understand this, there's something sitting around your neck. And it might be love and it might be lust. It might be love or it might be control. It might be love, it might be manipulation. It might be love or it just might be feelings and so forth, but you've got to tie love around your neck. You're going to write it on the tablet of your heart for your marriage and my marriage will be Dictated by the condition of your heart. How come some people are nice all the time? Because something nice is going on in their heart. How come some people are negative all the time? How come some people are bitter all the time? Because bitterness has got in their heart. Negativity has got in their heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. And so I want to give you four thoughts today. If you want to take notes in church, I encourage you to do that. If you don't want to take notes in church, take notes in church. Did you come here to learn? Come on, did you come here to learn? It's hard to write notes with your arms crossed. 
You've met a couple and you're like, wow, they have it. You've met a couple and thought they don't have it. You've thought to yourself, wow, they are having problems. They are getting divorced. They seem to fight a lot. They used to be in love. They seem to have lost it. How many know that you want to be the right they? I want to give you four thoughts today on building they-ness. Someone say they Number one, we confuse love and lust. They lose it when they confuse love and lust. You see, early in a dating life, you might be like, oh my gosh, I'm in love. Oh my gosh, we're perfect together. And 63 days later, you divorce. See, you can at first take away love and you can put lust right there. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it? Why? Because you're attracted to the person. You're like, oh my gosh, you got it going on, girl. And, and, and the girl's like, you got it going on, boy. And you guys hang out and so forth, and you are attracted to one another. Maybe you get married. But over time, if you don't tie love across your neck and write it on the tablet of your heart, you're going to meet someone else. You're going to have lust because here's what the, the reality of lust. Lust is eros love. Lust is like kindling on a fire. Lust sometimes gets it going, but it doesn't keep it going. Love is all about me. Love is all about we. Love is all about what can I get? What can I take? Did you realize that love is all about what I can give? Let me say that again. Lust is all about me. Me. What am I going to get? And at first when you're dating, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in love. Hold up. Are you in love or in lust? Am I just got a bunch of kindling on the fire? Or am I going to put love on the fire? There are four different types of love. Phileo love, it's the friendship love. Eros love, it's the sexual love. Storge love. Sorry, phileo love, friendship love, storge love, affection love. Agape love is the love of God. Someone say the love of God. Haven't you noticed that sometimes your love runs dry? Married people, am I talking to anyone? How about the other married people? <laughs> you can admit that. Pastor of the church, and I've noticed at different times, I'm like, man, I'm irritated, frustrated. And my love's run dry. And that's when you've got to tap in. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching real here, right? I'd have a perfect marriage, but I'd have a blessed marriage. I don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a very successful marriage. We love each other now more than we ever did. And I believe, though, in 10 years, we can love each other more than we do today. Right? Why? Because the agape love of God, when I run dry, I can tap into that on a daily basis. And just after a fight, that's when you really need to talk to God. Because haven't you noticed, after a little disagreement, you may not call them disagreements, you may call them conversations that end up elevated conversations that end up with a higher tone. Conversations, I like to call them debates, theological debates. We had a disagreement that for some reason went a little louder, right? You ever had one of those? And afterwards, what fills your heart? Afterwards, maybe it wasn't the best conversation you've ever had. And afterwards, you're like, man, they did this to me. I'm going to do that to them. They said this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hold on to bitterness. Let's hold on. Let's grab bitterness. Let's grab control. Let's, let's grab these things. I'm not sure which one's on here. We've got love, faithful. Let me
me grab some faithful. How many think you need, how many think lust and faithful go together? So you better take off lust and you better put on love. Are you with me? Come on, you better take off lust. Why? Because lust is exciting for a moment, but someone eventually gets burnt. Are you with me? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Solomon speaking to people. He says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burnt? He says, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? It says, so is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. The opposite command, Ephesians 5.33, that we are commanded to love my wife as I do myself. And the wife must respect her husband. We have a series in our church, literally kicking off from a marriage perspective. They're doing love and respect. It's these two key words, because if you notice, men need some respect. Ladies need some love. But if I act unloving to my wife, she'll act disrespectful towards me. If I am disrespectful, if I'm unloving to her, towards her, she will be unloving towards me and the cycle will go on and on. Someone say, break the cycle. How many of you have a tattoo? <laughs> Sorry, someone let a puppy go in church. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 in the Message Bible says this. Tie them around your neck. Carve them. Someone say carve. Don't make fun of my accent. Carve their initials on your heart. Lots of people got tattoos on their shoulders and back and all kinds of places. But what I would encourage you to do and me to do, and Scripture says, listen, tattoo or carve love and faithfulness on your heart. You get a tattoo, it's a one-time deal. But you and I have got to be intentional to carve on a regular basis love and faithfulness on our heart. Come on, are you with me? Listen, if you've blown it, leave the past in the past. If you've blown it, if you've manipulated, if you've controlled, if you've had affairs, if all that kind of stuff, you've got to understand that your past has no future in your marriage. You've got to talk about the good things and you've got to leave behind the bad things. You've got to talk about the good old days. You've got to say, man, I love when we went out on that date. Remember that time, honey? We went out on that time. But what's so easy sometimes is to rehearse the bad things. They lose it when they keep score. They lose it. They lose the vainness when they keep score. When you're first dating, you kind of keep score, but you don't realize. Oh, he took me out. Oh, that was nice. He paid. Oh, he paid the next time. Oh, that was good. I mean, he was generous the next time. Oh, that was great. That was great. And then all of a sudden, I remember when my wife, uh, she went and told one of her friends the first time I said, sweetie. I just opened the door for her or something like that. And she was like, and I said, thanks, sweetie. And I didn't realize that was a big deal. But I remember later, she went, I went home to, well, she told me later in the dating relationship, not that day. She wouldn't be like, call me back. Hey, you called me sweetie today. What's going on? <laughs> that would have been weird, wouldn't it? And, uh, but love changes, right? And then all of a sudden, you call him sweetie. Then you call him lovey. Then you call him boo, boo, boo. And uh, you call him got it going on. I don't know what you call him, but you call him something, right? And there's all these affectionate words and so forth. And it's a give and take. And it's give and take and so forth. And it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, you have a fight. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you're ugly. <laughs> or maybe you say something, and all of a sudden, it's like, you're ugly, you're ugly. 
You're fat, you're fat. You're skinny, you're skinny. You know what? You can't dance. You know what? You can't sing. Are you with me? And all of a sudden, the keep score kills things. Have you ever seen a marriage and they keep score and it's killing them? It can't be 50-50 in your marriage. It's got to be 100-100. Oh, marriage is all about 50-50. It's about a contract. No, it's about a covenant of two people. 100% committed to one another. Are you with me? Someone say 100-100. Number three, they lose it. They, the they couple, the right they, they though lose it when they dig up the past. Ephesians chapter 4. You may know this scripture, but do you practice this scripture? Miriam and I have tried to practice this scripture, probably not perfectly. But in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, deal with today while it's today. Isn't the gospel about reconciliation? Isn't the gospel about grace? Isn't the gospel about forgiveness? You and I have been forgiven so much and we must forgive the other one. If you find yourself in a marriage saying seven years ago, you did this. Six years ago, you did this. Last month, you know, that thing you said. Now listen, you need to get real and you need to get raw sometimes. You need to get open. You say, this hurt me, this, 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 this. But the best thing you can do and I can do is say, babe, I know this was said and that was said. And listen, I think it's, you know, even if you're 10% wrong and 90% right, own up for the 10%. Come on. It's all her fault. I've never seen it all her fault. Even if it's 1%, own the 1%. It's probably a little bit more than 1%, let's be honest. We can either make the past current or we can make our vows current. It's up to us. If you have a fight, if you ever notice that you wake up the next morning and if you haven't dealt with a fight, it's like the temperature of the room just changed. Temperature of the room just dropped. Wake up in the morning, you're still kind of looking at yourself. <laughs> Good morning, sweetheart. How was your night? Was it painful? (laughs) They lose it when they dig up the past. I've never met a good marriage where they're always digging up the past. Leave the past in the past. Are you with me? Everybody knows this, don't they? I'm not giving you... They dig up the past. I'm not giving you anything transformational knowledge-wise. I'm hoping I'm transforming you and me application-wise. I know a lot. Look at me. I know a lot. Who cares? What do you do? They lose it. Number four. They lose it when they use their tongue to change instead of build their spouse. They lose it when they use their tongue to change instead of build their spouse. I've heard people say, Anthony, I just tell it the way it is. That's great. When my son was first learning to walk and he falls over, should I encourage him on the good things or the bad things? So I said, <laughs> you fell over. What a loser. Could you imagine that kind of parent? You're like, oh my gosh, son, you learned to ride your bike? Why'd you fall over? Oh my goodness, you idiot. I call it the way it is, son. 
You are disorganized. You're disorganized. You're a disorganized man. I don't know if that morphed into something else, but... But do you know if you harass the spouse on disorganization, they'll probably become more disorganized. You are the most unromantic man or unromantic woman I've ever met. That's motivating. Now I really want to go and buy you flowers. Am I talking to anyone? (laughs) You always leave a mess. Do I sometimes leave a mess or always? And isn't it easy sometimes to exaggerate the bad? And all of a sudden, they call it the 80-20 rule. You got 80% amazing, 20%, uh, not sure. But you're focused on the 20, or maybe the 10. You know, it's funny, when Miriam and I were first dating, she would talk to her, her parents in Portuguese, obviously. And they'd be talking back and forth. And when, I was, when we were first dating, I was like, oh, that's sexy. I just, I just like to hear her say it. I'm like, oh, she speaks another language. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just a man thing, which is like, oh, you know, I speak English. Uh, got one language for you. And so we would even, she would teach me things and important things like, do es linda. Do es bonita. O quero comida. O menina está embaixo de avião. That was Rosetta Stone. That wasn't my wife. Do es muito bonita. She taught me the important things. But I remember like, oh, she speaks another language. That's sexy. And isn't it funny that sometimes what's sexy to you, after a while, you're like, this is irritating. Because I would go to family events and everyone's talking Portuguese. And I'm just sitting there like the dumb Australian guy. No, I don't speak two languages and the second language isn't coming that easy to me. What was attractive at first was kind of like, I don't want you to speak another language. He's so creative. He's just creative. He's a creative guy. And then you're like, you're just messy. You got paint everywhere. He's very inspirational. You don't do anything you say. You're a planner. I love that you're a planner. Do you have to plan everything? I love that you're, you're on time every place you go. Turn to the person. You're late everywhere. What is wrong with you? You're so full of dreams. I just love that you're full of dreams. Do you get anything done? Stop dreaming and do something. you're into fashion. 
do you always look in the mirror? <laughs> what is wrong with you? I love that you're a people person. Can you stop talking to people? We need to leave. I love that you're an outdoorsy kind of guy. Do I have to come? I don't like camping. I love that you're so focused at work. You're a disciplined guy. When are you going to come home? I love that you have lots of friends. You've got lots of friends. You need to lose those guy friends because I don't like them. I want you to put the... Let me, let me say this. Proverbs 18 verse 7. The mouths of fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very own lives. I'm not calling you a fool. The Bible might be though but it's also calling me a fool, so it's okay. The mouths of fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very own lies. I want you to show the stock for a second. I want you to show the bad stock. Enron, right? I was, weirdly enough, I normally don't, but I went to the gym this morning and as I'm working out, I literally had this thought and this idea. Did you know that banks, if it's going a little bit bad and everyone finds out it's going bad, do you know that just the rumor of it being bad can, can totally destroy a bank? Just the rumor. A bunch of people go, oh my gosh, I think it's going bad. And I would actually say this to you from married people. Listen, if it's been going bad, you actually need to be like the leader of an organization. Say, hey, honey, honey, I know it's been bad for a couple of weeks, a couple of days. I know we've been rude to each other. Maybe it's been a couple of months. Maybe it's been a rough year. Maybe it's been rough four years. And it feels like the, the marriage is going down and nothing can stop it. But did you know that you need to get along to that marriage and speak life to that thing and gather your wife in? Say, listen, it's been rough, baby, but don't worry. We're hanging in there. This thing isn't going to sink. Don't worry. We had they and we can get they back. Because do you know that that's what God did to us? When you were not righteous, He called you righteous. And listen, I'm not saying that you just got to be deluded in your marriage, but you know, when she walks down the stairs or he walks down the stairs, if you start that day, hey baby, you look good this morning, that sets the tone for the rest of the day. And maybe, you listen, your husband may have a bad season, your wife may have a bad season, and maybe they need someone who's going to sit there and speak life into that marriage. Are you with me? Listen to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, says this. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Someone say, they speak the best. Let love and let faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Daily, weekly, monthly. 
I don't know how often you're going to do it, but I know it's probably pretty regular. Bind them around your heart and then you'll find favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's a promise of Scripture for you and for me. How many want favour? How many want people to look at you and go, man, they got it going on. They went through a couple of rough patches, but they got it back. Are you with me? Man, I, I hope the marriages in our church just have that vainness. There'll be a rough day. There'll be a rough week. May even be a rough month or so. Hopefully not too many rough years. Because you're letting love and faithfulness on your heart. Bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. Father, first of all, I want to lift up single people to you. And I just pray, God, that they would use your wisdom, God, for their choices, for the right they, that they'd be able to discern the wrong they and the right they. The people to hang out with, the people to date, the people to marry. Pray for dating people that they would choose your wisdom and not just get sucked into our culture. Pray they build lives that are healthy and whole. And today I pray for every marriage in here. Every single one, whether they even came or not and they couldn't come today. I pray for every marriage that is connected to the life of this church. Lord, I lift them up to you and I pray that you give that man love and faithfulness. And I pray that you give that woman love and faithfulness. And I pray you give him wisdom and I pray you give him grace, Lord. And I just pray there'll be an exceeding grace upon this house, Lord, to, to flourish in marriage and not flounder. And I pray that guard their heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. I pray we'd walk with you every day, God. We'd forgive and release. In the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. And a faithful church said, come on, a faithful church said, Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. I pray that this message has impacted your life in a powerful, powerful way. If you feel like it has, email us at connect at churchalive.tv or if you accepted Christ today for the very first time or you feel like you're running back to the Lord today, email us again and let us know. I know that's going to be encouragement to me. It's going to be encouragement to other people who serve as part of our church. God bless you. See you next time.